You're listening to the Todd Rod God Pod, a podcast hosted by Pastor Todd Rodarmel and Drew Tilton, where we explore ideas of faith and what it means to have a sustainable spirituality. Welcome to the Todd Rod God Pod on WTRGP. We're here with smooth jazz, (laughs) Ryan Kirkland. (laughs) Sorry, I thought I'd do a different intro. Just wanted to change things up. Welcome, everybody. We're super excited. We've got a really cool episode with a really cool guest here in studio with us. And I'd like Todd, you to introduce him. Hey. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I... uh... I've been wanting to have Ryan Kirkland on for a while, not only because I just, everything that I do, I like to do with Ryan and it's better. Um, but because I, um, I think he's got a lot to say and I think there's a lot of people that don't, uh, always get to, to know Ryan. And I mean, we, we see his heart when he leads us in worship. He's our worship pastor at our church, but you don't always get to hear from him. And, uh, unless you know him, you're missing out. And so you can't all know him. Uh, so we're going to bring him on here and let you know him <laughs> a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that he is a good friend and um, a partner in ministry for, gosh, many years now. It's been, what, 11 years that we've been together? Or? Yeah, I think we're at 10, but oh my we're gosh. turning a corner here. At turning the, the corner, year, going man. on to, yeah, you came here in 2011, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we've been through a lot. I think about all the things I've been through in my life during that time and things you've been through. And I'm like, man. Yeah. I had no babies when. <laughs> had no babies. You were living it. in LA. You were yeah. a now music you have many guy. Babies. I have many babies. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I, I know many people haven't even heard, you know, the story of how we met, but I was, I was meeting Monty Kelso and Monty Kelso knows everyone. He's it's true. You yes. Know, if you know Monty Kelso, which you all do. <laughs> Yeah, that's if you it, don't know Monty Kelso, joke. you know someone who knows Monty Kelso. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, we, you know, I was supposed to meet Monty, and he stood me up, and I, I called him, and I said, hey, what's up? And he says, oh, just come over to the house. And so I came to his house, and, you know, he says, well, we had some friends spend the night, and here's Ryan sitting in his pajamas, and his wife had just made some breakfast for us, Monica, and they were newlyweds, and uh, wow, this is a long time ago. And... And so I was there meeting with Monty and trying to find a worship leader for the church. And he's trying to get me this, this one person that I didn't think was that great. And, and he's like, oh man, if you could have anybody, you'd really want this guy, but you, you can't afford him. And he lives in LA and (laughs) he's looking for a full-time job. And I'm like, car salesman. All right. Can uh, you have you him play some music for me? Yeah. So he Wait, plays, was he talking he, about Ryan? Yeah, he was point? talking about Ryan, and he was like sitting there. In his I mean, pajamas. if you really wanted somebody good, there's this guy that lives up in LA <laughs> and that he, wishes he lived. Down and he here. he never had heard me like. I mean, he'd heard me like play some songs for him. He used to always say like, "You can uh, you can have dinner after you play me a song." Monty uses it. Yeah, and so I'd be like, <laughs> "Okay," and so I'd play the song. But it was just his way of getting to know us and stuff, and. Yeah, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so Ryan just, you know, I'm like, here, play a song. And he, so he plays music for me in his pajamas, but he plays <laughs> in his pajamas like he plays on stage in front of thousands of people. Like it's the same, <laughs> like energy, the same like Ryan. Like, I, yeah, I went and got the smoke machine. Uh, hold on, I got to get the smoke going. There was yeah. just, a, it was an electric moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this man. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, what are you doing on Sunday? And 
I invited yeah, him to come to church and lead worship. And then from the front, after he led worship, I'm like, hey, everybody like Ryan? We should have him back. We want to come back next Sunday for Easter? <laughs> for yeah, Easter. so the first, my first Sunday was Palm Sunday. And I remember it was either a text or an email to Todd saying, did you ride into Do you have a plan? Donkey? No, no donkeys. <laughs> I was like, you guys don't already have like a plan? Are you sure I can come in? Simpler times and he's like, back no. then. Yeah, I know. He's like, yeah, that's fine. And from stage, do you guys want Ryan to come back? And everybody clapped and yeah, he's like, okay, can you come back next week in front of all these people? I'm like, <laughs> no. sure. <laughs> Ooh, I'm busy. I got a lunch. Oh, yeah. sorry. I, I flew by the seat of my pants a little bit more back then. <laughs> <laughs> if it were up to me, I would still do like that. But we have more people that work on staff that don't let me do that anymore. Yeah. Well, Thank goodness. It worked out in that yeah. moment. God was working with what he had. The Lord works he, in mysterious ways. And he had ways. you, Todd. He did. <laughs> That's all he had. <laughs> That's all he, he had. He had to make do then. with what he had. He was like, all right, I got to get this guy some help. Todd, say this. <laughs> say this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun. So, Ryan, yeah, tell, tell us uh, just a little. I mean, well, let me just say this, because when I heard about Ryan, I mean, I had him, you know, met him that morning. And then I, he said he was in this band, Between the Trees. And so I go look up Between the Trees on iTunes and, and I download an album because I'm like, and I'm listening. And I'm like looking at the people on the, um, on the cover and I'm like, they've got beards. I don't see him having a beard, but maybe he shaved it. And, uh, and they, they'd sing this music and it's kind of like, um, I don't know what it was like. It was kind of was emo was alternative. Well, his was, but this band was different. Oh, it was the a band, band was different. that had oh. the same name, yeah. but it wasn't them. And so I downloaded the wrong oh. Between the Trees. And, we didn't uh, know there yeah. wasn't this other Between the Trees out there somewhere with this one EP that was one the EP. Weirdest. It was it was pretty good, but uh, but but it Shout wasn't out to Between but it the Trees. <laughs> not that one. Not the yeah, Ryan not one. the other one. The other yeah. One. So then I went and downloaded Ryan's album, the other Between the Trees, a couple of albums, and you know just listened to them every day and. <laughs> got really tight pants and uh, grew yeah. my hair like down in front of my face like an emo yeah, guy yeah. like Ryan was. <laughs> Dyed it black. It was so... A lot of guy liner. your best look, Todd? Mm, Lots of guy liner. <laughs> Those, yeah. That was a good time. That yeah, uh, era simpler of music. Time. Simpler time, 2011. <laughs> 2011. So get, catch us up. Give us the give us the the version of your backstory, and then we'll we'll, well yeah, yeah yeah bring people. How up did to the you present. get to the point where you're playing in Monty's house for Todd in your pajamas? Yeah, like work us work us <laughs> up to that point because that sounds random. <laughs> yeah, I was born. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I started playing music when I was probably like 11, and. I just wanted to learn guitar because my older brothers and my dad would play the guitar together. And when we would go up to see my grandpa, we would, they would all play guitar and I would just sit in the corner, you know? So I always had an interest in playing guitar, but only because I wanted to be included. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a part of the family. Yeah. Just let me play. <laughs> so, so I started playing guitar for that reason. I didn't really find a, a lot of enjoyment out of playing guitar. So I would start like making up songs and I would play on one string and write an entire song, verse, chorus, bridge, <laughs> like, and I always say now that songwriting was my first instrument and I just learned other ones in order to be able to do that one. Mm. Cause I got stuck on, I have to do this for the rest of my life. I, I remember being 13, I think. 13 years old and had some guys that we got together and we would just go and play music 
at these random like little clubs and you know when you're when you're raised in a Christian home, you know all the sweet spots <laughs> <laughs> that youth kids are allowed to go. <laughs> so we played lots of like church lock-ins and you know that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just that process of writing music and all that it it sunk in. I knew I knew really early on that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life in some capacity. And uh, when I was probably uh, 17 or so, I had started a band with some of my friends and what was the name of that band? That was between the trees <clears throat> and like, it just felt different than the other things we'd been doing. And probably about six months in, we had a manager, we had, um, some interest from labels. Um, we were starting to make an album. So long story short, we ended up, you know, six years on the road of doing that and lots of successes, lots of, uh, what didn't feel like successes to us. But every time we'd tell people stories, they'd be like, you're really making it. <laughs> and we were like, okay. Is this what why don't they pay like? us any money? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> making what? <laughs> making nothing. Yeah. But so music. you were making music, just not money. We were making music. We were, uh, making memories. Um, and sometimes money. It was it was definitely here and there, but um, got to tour overseas, got to see every state except for Alaska and Hawaii. Um, Those are the worst all of Canada, ones anyway. Got to what's that? Those are the worst ones anyway, <laughs> especially Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we we got to tour with like bands we looked up to our whole life. Um, so you know, bucket list check. I mean, we we definitely did things that we look back and just are like, man, that was absolutely incredible. Hmm. Um, about a year before I walked out of the band, um, I just started having this like sense of like a shift in my spirit about, um, what was going on with the band and, and the band, we weren't doing anything wrong. There wasn't like any kind of mishaps in the band or, you know, we hadn't lost our way, um, per se. It was just, we came to California on a tour and I was standing on top of the dream center in Hollywood. Cause we were playing there that night for an event and they were touring the building and I was standing on top of the building and it was probably the first time in a really long time I felt God's presence and, um, not in like a, I've always felt connected to God, but, it, but I mean presence in like him reaching out to me, like a, like a, a moment with him kind of thing. And I, <clears throat> I could have swore it was audible. It was so clear. I just heard God say, I'm bringing you here as I'm mm. staring out in California. At, uh, at the time, it was, we were staring at uh, downtown LA. And it, would, it just shook something in me. I told Monica, my girlfriend at the time, and now my wife, and she was like, yeah, I've been telling you that for like three years. It's <laughs> really? like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, I told you that we're going to end up moving somewhere out of state and that we got to figure it out. And I would always just say, yeah, well, the if we're going to live in California, then we're going to be huge because what <laughs> band is able to still make it and live in different states? <laughs> so I was convinced and so for, you know, a year, maybe 10, 11 months, I, I just kept wrestling with, how are you going to do this, God? And, and I just felt more and more 
um, unrest in my spirit. And every time I'd start to go into a conversation with God about, am I supposed to leave the band? It was like, I felt like I was going to throw up. And, and I always say that like my mom, my mom used to always like, when I would just sit there and just like fight the urge to throw up when I was sick, she'd always go, if you throw up, you're going to feel better. If you just throw up, you're going to feel better. And I'm always like, yeah, right. (laughs) There's no way throwing up's the worst. And that's how I felt. I felt that in my spirit. I felt something telling me, if you throw up, you're going to feel better. Mm. And so one night we're on a tour, um, and uh, we, like, hiked into these, like, um, mountains. And I think it might have been somewhere, like, in, like, Santa Rosa or something where there's, like, rocks on the beach or something. And we were sitting out there, and I just said, I got to tell you guys, I – I think I'm supposed to leave the band. I, I've had just this unrest in me and I'm bawling and they're crying. They're like, we can figure out how to make this work. What do you mean? God's saying what? And I'm like, that's the thing. I don't, I don't see I don't hear God saying like, he's going to do a specific thing. He's, he's just saying, I need to step away from the band. And then he's going to show me something else, you know? And, uh, so that, that caused a lot of turmoil and we had lots of band meetings and trying to figure out what does this mean? And, does this mean we need to become, you know, a full-blown Christian band? Is that, will that make it okay? And I mean, there were so many conversations, but, um, the moment I had that meeting with them, there was so much peace in me and I write songs all the time. And I, I realized I got home and I, I had written like this really quick song and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's the first time I've written in probably like 11 months, 10 months, something Mm. like that. And it was just such confirmation in my spirit that I was in step with God. And it made me think, made me think about, you know, like the Israelites, they would follow this cloud by day and they would follow fire by night. And that's what I felt like. I felt like for the longest time, I knew confidently that God had called me into music. I, I led worship at church. My first time playing music was in worship. I got, like rededicated and baptized in a hot tub at a house church when I was like 14 years old um, after leading worship that night. Um, I just, I've always been connected to God through music and I've always known my, my calling or my thing in this world is to do that. Um, And so it was a huge deal when I got home to feel peace with not doing music. There Mm. was no call to go be a pastor or a worship pastor to go do some solo project or there was, you know, I had no clue. And I was, I think I was just a few months married at the, at that time. You're what? 22 maybe. Yeah. 22. And I, I just had more confidence in my spirit and less, on the horizon <laughs> than ever before. And so your mom was right. Throwing up is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny I how did those things come hand in hand sometimes that, uh, that stepping out in faith and, and recognizing that though you have none of the securities of this world more than ever, you feel connected to the security of God. Yeah. That's and, exactly and, right. and step with it, trusting it. And yeah. so, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's 
that was like a huge driving force for the next like six months. Um, the day we announced that the band was going to dismember, no, <laughs> dis- hopefully disband. not. <laughs> I mean, kind of. I sure, yeah, a member a was member leaving the, the band, band, and, and you just, yeah, it just sounds boring. sure. It is almost Halloween. This is our Halloween episode. <laughs> I'm this is our Halloween episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. We put the announcement out, and that day I got a, a text from someone at my family's church saying, "Hey, can we have a conversation?" and I was like, sure. And so we met and he's like, so we have like a few campuses and we wanted to know if you'd want to lead worship for one of the campuses. And I was like, well, I think me and Monica are going to go to California. And he was like, well, when are you going to go? And I was like, I don't know. It could be as soon as six months. And he's like, okay, well, we'd rather have you for six months than none at all. And I think the truth is, is they were kind of banking on your entire family's here. (laughs) You're newly married. We just gave you a job. We just gave you a job you're going to stay, you know? <laughs> so and, uh, man, it's so crazy the way God works. Cause w- when I got here, I mean, there was no jobs when we came to California. We weren't, we weren't, we were pursuing like, <laughs> we're young, we have no kids, you know, newly married. We were have some money saved church jobs at that no, point. Not at no. all. Um, so you I didn't, still know, I didn't know that was sure. a thing. I didn't know you could be a, music pastor guy like i like that, that i didn't know that was a didn't career know that was option. one of the job possibilities they didn't have that in high school at yeah like the job fair yeah, yeah. And, I, and i went straight on tour i skipped college so there was no it was like a a really crazy thing to me like wait a second i can do this i mean i remember literally telling monica i'm like yeah they want to offer me a job they're okay if it's only six months until you go to california and she's like wait what and I was like, yeah, and they're going to offer me $24,000 a year, Monica. <laughs> and I was so proud of that. We like, I think I had brought this. her like <laughs> $2,000 once from a tour and then $500 from a tour and then no money like, once from a tour. We made it. We got I a know. Record. I'm like, like a record contract that's better than I ever made a record deal. This is better than any record deal. I had a piece deal. of paper folded written with $15,000 on it that I was ready to slide across the table. <laughs> but... They slid first, and they slid first. You're and never gonna goodness. believe what they offered. <laughs> Literally, she laughs to this day. She, I think, I think she even patted me on the shoulder and said, "Oh, oh, babe." <laughs> yeah, she's so she's younger than you, but she's always been older than you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and smarter and prettier. Yeah, wow. yeah. She, I, mean, she is I think you, you are equally. Pretty. Thank you, Drew. That's all I needed. That, but you Todd are... never says that when <laughs> I put he that line out. Says, yeah, no, I, I, I think throw it out there <laughs> as a fishing for a compliment. <laughs> I get slammed every time. Yeah. You, you sing better, but she's prettier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I uh, I thought, man, this could be something, you know, and and really, the six months I was on staff at this church was like, I mean, going through fire. Like the things I learned, the things I realized, I I would have never come to California, met Todd been like, yeah, I could lead worship and felt confident to build a team. And like the things I had learned to do all those years on the road implemented into what I was doing leading Mountain View. But I would have never made that connection if it wasn't for the time I spent at the church in Florida that I was at. For sure. And so that six months was, you know, trial by fire in some ways. But it was like, I learned about the importance of staff meetings. I learned about um, certain big things like tithing and, um, serving and, and then how to treat volunteers and how to move to a fully volunteer team. I mean, we were, it was a mega church 
that had made the decision to go fully volunteer and lost like something like 50 or 60 percent of their people that they had Uh, been paying to be there um and so going through that with them and just yeah just all that kind of stuff it i mean it was just exactly what we needed in one of the one of the staff meetings they talked about abraham's story and they talked about how I mean, the thing he was probably mentioning had nothing to do with the way I took it, <laughs> but the way I took it, I was just applying everything in my life to this journey to California and how we're going to do it. And we'd pushed it off a few months, and um, finally, I just felt like we need to set a date. And we set a date for I think it was like March first or March eighth or something like that. And we set the date because we he had talked about how in Abraham's story, one of the things we can see is that is that when God does stuff, there is a um there's a clear picture of or what's the way he says it? You'll have to edit this part because I'm trying to remember as I talk. No, it stays. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he says that uh I haven't thought about this story in a long time. That God did it, and uh, I don't remember. We can come look it up. <laughs> no, it's some random guy's message. Oh, it's a message. I thought yeah, you were but he talks about how in Abraham, because Abraham's story is basically, or the the story of Isaac is really what it is. But the story of Abraham and being called to go to a land, I'll show you, and he does that, and then he's you know he's going to be a father of na- you know of nations and. And his wife is barren, like, and he he's pointing out that when Sarah was uh, seventy, um, she would have still been in that time. That would have been still like crazy, but not impossible. Hmm. And by God waiting until he was or she was ninety, then two things happened. One, Abraham was now ready to carry the blessing that was coming uh, because he had (laughs) gone through it all with God, tried to do it himself, finally submitted to God, waited on God. Um, So Abraham became the man that could carry the the blessing. And then second was that God doing it at 90, when there's a 90 year old pregnant woman walking around and people go, how are you pregnant? (laughs) Yeah, that that can only be God. Your only answer is God did it. Right. So he like removes the ability for you to, so it probably doesn't apply. But again, I, for some reason, that story of Abraham, it just shook something to me where I was like, we have to set a date and we have to leave on that date. And Monica's like, okay. And it was a little nerve wracking for Monica because she, we had moved the date twice that we were going to leave. And because of me, because I didn't feel ready. And we packed up the car and left on the date we said we were going to leave on and started driving to California. I had this guy out there in L.A. who had reached out to me and said, you know, I've got this house and we'll put you guys up for a few months while you figure things out. We're like, great. And like three days before we left, we hadn't heard anything (laughs) from him. So that felt really good. (laughs) um, But I was like, nope, we got to keep going. Let's just go. And... We had done like a scouting trip about a month before um, 
to just go and see and where we would be and what, what, where would we stay and that kind of thing. And on that scouting trip is when I met Monty Kelso. So mm-hmm. our, at the time, worship pastor at the church I was at, um, he and Monty were friends. And when, I, when he found out that I was going to California, he reached out to Monty and me on an email and said, hey, Monty, this is Ryan Kirkland. He's been a part of our worship team. And, you know, I think you guys should know each other. And he sent me a thing saying, you know, I, I know you're going to California. If there's one person you need to know in California, it's Monty Kelso. Yeah. <laughs> because if you know Monty Kelso, then you know, <laughs> you know everyone else. else. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we ended up going on this trip. I reached out to Monty. We were in L.A. And he's like, yeah, just come on down. I think he said, once you pass the Y, give me a call. <laughs> and I was like, is there a big like, y? YMCA? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, oh, Monty. And I was like, okay. And so <laughs> still, I don't know what we did, but it, long, longer story longer. For those of you that aren't in California, it's the El Toro Y. It's right where the Irvine Spectrum is right in the middle of it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, two freeways, two major freeways come together at a Y. <laughs> That's why they call it that. <laughs> Looks like a Y from the sky. We passed that a long time ago. And then we're like, we should call him. <laughs> how that long, looks like the Mexico, how long are border. we on this road? <laughs> yeah. So we call him and we thought we were meeting him at a restaurant and instead he welcomed us into his home and he gave us a glass of wine and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are doing it, you know, and for anybody who was Monty, he just like stares you straight in the eye and just believes in you and encourages you and um, listens to you. And I think the thing that I loved is I had felt this shift to, you know, I'd been pursuing my dreams for six years or whatever of touring the road and doing all that stuff. And Monica's holding down this like nine to five job and paying for most of everything in our, mm. you know, housing stuff. And, and I just remember feeling this shift when I left the band where I said, you know, God, I, I want to shift the paradigm in my marriage. I want to take care of my wife and I don't know what's next, but whatever it is, like, can you help me take care of my wife? And I think to this day, Monty was clarification that God was doing that because even though it wasn't like I had no clue that Monty had some road to, to a job or anything like that. It was more so that that entire night me and Monty were connected through a friend and that night he just talked to Monica and he just encouraged her and what she was going to do. And she was planning on pursuing some acting stuff that she had some connections with and and most people that we knew would be like, okay, what's your backup? <laughs> so not Monty. He just talked on and on and on. He's like, oh, I think that's a great idea. And this would be great. And you know, you know who you need to know, you know? Hmm. And he just like encouraged her and spoke life into her. And just, we flew home to Florida just like, oh my gosh, we have to know those people forever. Hmm. And on our drive out to California, we still hadn't, I mean, we were two days in, I think, and hadn't heard back from this guy. And, and I get this call from him, this random person that we were supposed to stay with in LA. He's like, Hey, so housing thing kind of changed and we don't have any room for you guys anymore. Well, that's great because we're in Arkansas. (laughs) We're in the driveway. Yeah. I think we we were in new Orleans. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, and (laughs) Man, I don't even know what I said. I just I think I was just so in shock that I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> hey, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for trying. Yeah. Wow. 
And uh, I get off the phone and Monica and I are just kind of, I remember us sitting in the car and I'm just like, oh no. She's like, what do we do? And I was like, okay, God's got us this far. We can freak out or we can just keep trusting him. She's like, okay. I vote for just keep trusting him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. And two minutes later, I get a text from Monty, who we met once, and he goes, I don't know if you guys have a place to stay, but I talked to my wife, Krista, and uh, you guys could just stay with us for like a month or so if you needed to. Wow. Without prompting. No prompting. He had, well, we, we had told him we were, the Lord, he obviously. knew we were going to go to LA. He knew we had a, a place to stay up there. We had, you know, we had presented all of our plans, all of our great plans. Um, so he knew all that. So it was just so like God because we, and so I remember texting back address. <laughs> <laughs> this was back when texting cost money. No, I had an T9. iPhone. Okay, <laughs> the iPhone, the original. <laughs> yeah, probably. It had the built-in apps. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, so we started heading to the Kelsos, and we ended up staying with them for a month and I, I mean I tell people all the time that are going to like go off and move across the country I'm like it's great if you can find community um, but it's even better if you can find family like if you can go somewhere where you've got friends and stuff mm. that's great but if you can go somewhere where you find your people and and that's what Monty and Krista were I mean um, the the they had three boys and they just became family very quickly and um we stayed with them for a month. And so the reason we were, we ended up finding a place in LA, we moved in and we just missed them so much that we would come down on weekends and just hang out with them for the weekend. And so one of those times we missed the Kelsos and we were like, Hey, what if we did a big sleepover or whatever? And so we came down on a Saturday night, we had conversations and games and it was fun. And Monica made this amazing chicken parm. She's an incredible cook, by the way. Super secret. I, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I think you ate that for breakfast. I think I did. I think I had some for breakfast because they're like, oh, this it's so good. Morning. you got to try this. this the, the morning, morning I met gets stood up, ends up at yes. Monty's house. Yes. You're so this playing is the your pajamas while he eats chicken parm. Yeah, so parm. that's how we got yes. there is she makes chicken parm. We're like, you know, having a great time. Well, it wasn't wake morning, up morning by this time. I think it was like lunchtime by this time because I was supposed to meet Monty for breakfast, but he stood me up by the time. Yeah. By the yeah, time we I'm were probably heading there. towards 11. Yeah. We were late sleepers at that time. Very young, <laughs> late sleepers. Oh, the time. But we woke up and we're coming downstairs. And I remember Monty like, hey, guys, good morning. So no need to change or anything. But I've got this buddy who's a pastor and he's looking for a worship pastor. And he's coming right now to my house. <laughs> and we were like, you should interview. Okay. <laughs> should we change or anything? He's like, no, you're fine. You're fine. And it was just one of those moments where you're just like sitting on the couch in your pajamas, having coffee, and Todd walks in. And we're like, "Hey, hey. <laughs> you know the the awkward wave and the there's chicken parm in the fridge." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was wild, and uh, that's at least how we got here. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Lot, how, yeah. I was just gonna ask, how do you feel like those moments of trust have set you up, you and Monica, up in the rest of your life? to continue mm. trusting God that way. Man, well, that makes me think about our um, our tithing thing. Because like I said, when we were at that church for six months, um, they did this talk on tithing, and it it resonated so much in me because I, I 
wanted to tithe. I knew the value in tithing, but we were like, you know, living on nothing. And I mean, I was making $24,000 a year, but yeah, you remember that. But, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) but we were living on so little and we lived in downtown Orlando. So it was a little more expensive than other places in Orlando. So it, it was one of those things where we had just felt like there is no money. You know, there is no money to, we're paying for everything. And after that talk, I just was talking with Monica about it. She's like super nervous, um, very security minded. And, and she's like, okay, well maybe we could do like a hundred bucks. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's about the number. I think it's just a matter of like, I think we should be doing this. You know, I think we should be sowing into the church. And I also think that God wants us to, to trust him with our money before we go off to California. And she's like, okay. So for the next like three months, maybe we would give a hundred bucks to the church. And that month, even if it was like the last day of the month, somebody would call me and they'd go, Hey, could you like do this for me? Hey, I want my son to learn guitar. Could you teach him some guitar? And they'd give me like 50 bucks and this person would give me 50 bucks and this person would give me 30 bucks. And and we'd end up with like, you know, a hundred bucks every month, like for like three months in a row. And we were about to leave for California and we were still doing that hundred dollar thing. And, um, we were, I think it was like the end of the month. I just remember the significant, I went to go give a, you know, a guitar lesson to this person. And I was doing like a longer one. They were going to give me 50 bucks. And she's like, Hey, I, you know, I heard from somebody else that you guys were going to California. And I said, yeah, um, we're working on that still. And she's like, she's like, well, great. You know, like you're going to do great out there, blah, blah. So I talked to her about kind of what our plan is, what our timeline is. And when I get in my car, the check she gave me was for a hundred bucks. <laughs> and it, it just stood out to me as this thing. Like, and so we just started to slowly just give more and just give more. And like all these little, you know, that whole thing of like, you know, if I can trust you with a little kind of thing. So uh, <clears throat> that, that has played a part or that's why my mind goes there in, in trust exercises because, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is. <laughs> and so there's something about that, like giving up that thing that you're like, this is how I take care of us. This is my security. Mm. This is how I make sure we're okay. Being able to give some of that to God and say, okay, you have to, you have to do this. Otherwise we're short. <laughs> right. And I think that was a fundamental move in our marriage, a fundamental move in our move to California is we just consistently kept that going. We would stick with a hundred bucks and then we felt like, okay, we could do 200 bucks and then, okay, I think we can make it to here. And then, and eventually we were giving 10% and looking for opportunities to go above that. And I mean, it's just crazy. Like in 10 years to be making enough money to have a house in California and still giving a, you know, above and beyond our 10%. I never would be able to do that with the stakes as high as they are in California on finances. Right. If I hadn't started those little steps mm-hmm. of, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with a hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> and he just always came through, always was with us through it. And I think that plays a part in, you know, the, all the other steps we're taking of little trust things. It's yeah, almost whoever's faithful with little 
will right. be faithful with much, and you can trust him with more. It's funny, though, because I was going to say that you almost flipped that around on God, and you were like, okay, God, if you're faithful with this little that I give you, <laughs> then I'm going to trust you with a little more. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's good. But it's that's funny, a good point. Yeah, like how that, God allows that kind of relationship, yeah. you know, as we're faithful, and as he allows us to to lean into that, he he does give us that space to be like, okay, I'm going to allow them to take these baby steps. He yeah, isn't just yeah. like... 10% or nothing, you yeah, know, like, yeah. or, you know, like if you're not given this way, like it's, yeah. it's like, no, he, he cares about your heart. So he wants, he knows what will help ease you into that yeah. point and, and bring you to that level of faith, yeah. you know, and, and it's not just with finances as you alluded to, like it, yeah. it goes even beyond that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I was just thinking about the, uh, the baby steps thing, like, there's this snowball effect that happens as you start to just have a little bit of progress. And so, um, I think that's why God gives you space. He gives you space to snowball. <laughs> he gives you space for the snowball, um, so that you have room to actually like see it working, to see him working. So yeah, so good. it's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where you're at today, because where you were when you were playing for Todd in your, in your pajamas is pretty different from where you are today. Yeah. Um, one, you, as you mentioned, you've had numerous kids, numerous babies, numerous babies. Yeah. And, um, you've grown a lot. I mean, just, I've seen you grow since I've known you and that's been about <laughs> maybe like four years or so. Yeah. Maybe not quite that long. When was it? It feels like four years. No, I think it was four <laughs> years ago, 2016. Yeah. That's probably right. Yeah. That's, that's right. So anyway, fun. 2016, four years ago, like I've seen you grow just in that short time. Mm. So I got to imagine, you know, more than double that time. You're I've grown you, double. You've grown double. <laughs> <laughs> just doing some math. Just here. doing some math here. <laughs> Let me carry the one. But uh, <laughs> particularly, I want you to lead up to how did you get to the place where you're um, leading the way that you do here at our church, because I think you lead mm. with such faith and you step out into projects with such faith that obviously was built on this base that God was setting you up for. And now you're stepping into, you know, a whole new phase in our church where, you know, you're, you're writing a worship album with, with our worship team yeah. and you're leading that up and you're leading a large team of volunteers, on a weekly basis to lead worship and you're an executive pastor here at our church and you, you lead in such, you know, powerful ways, even beyond just your sphere of influence. And so what do you think brought you to that point from that 22 year old to where you are, you know, right now? Um, wow. It's a big question. I think, you know, the reason I think I was able to step forward with like the tithing thing or moving to California, even though we had no plan and <laughs> not much prospect. Um, and then coming back for Easter the next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, it, I've always had like, a, um, I mean, I, I think I was like six years old when I first felt God like call me. Hmm. Um, I, gave my life to Christ. I got baptized, all of that. And, and when I was 14, I felt that again in my spirit and just reaffirmed it, got baptized again as like, this is mine. This is my faith. You know, my parents didn't lead me through that. I mean, my parents were amazing parents and awesome, um, at leading our whole family. 
um, to God. And so they were definitely part of it. But I, I felt very personal in my connection to God, even since I was six. Um, you know, as much as a six-year-old can understand it, as much as a seven-year-old can understand it, as much as an eight-year-old can understand it, I, I've always felt. And so if I have a gift um, in that stuff, it's, it's a gift of faith. I just have never had a time in my life where I feel far from God. Hmm. And, and then he's given me this gifting of connecting with him very intimately in worship. Hmm. And so it's like, he's like built in the inability to ever get away from him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I've always felt connected to him. And the thing I love to do more than anything, I mean, maybe short of, you know, being a husband and 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 a father is, to play music and write music and just play in that creative space. Mm. And in that creative space is where I find intimacy with God. So, Mm. you know, so to lead worship at a church, I'm getting to do all these things I love to do. And, um, I think the, uh, just to the part you said about like, as far as leading our church in worship and stuff, like I, I pretty early on, um, in leading worship for a church, I, I think I was 16 or so, hadn't, hadn't, um, formed that band yet and was leading worship. And I started to experience, um, just I, for anybody who leads worship that's listening, there's this, this moment where you're sort of in two places and, and it happens a lot for musicians. You know, you have to have the lyrics, but you also have to know, what chord to play next, and you're also listening to the drummer. There's a lot that's like simultane- simultaneously happening. And in leading worship, there's like this next level again. You are both connected to God, but you're also becoming aware of what God might be doing in the room. Hmm. And I was probably 16 when I was leading a song, like I always did, and I just started to have this like awareness in the room. And I put my hand back to kind of tell the band to hang on. And I just spoke to, I didn't know where it was coming from or anything. I just spoke to what that was. And if you're feeling this and here's where you're at and here's what I think God wants us mm-hmm. to do. And so let's all just do this with, you know, and I, I think I had, you know, somebody maybe put their hands in front of them and God has something for us today. And, and no one taught me how to do that. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, I was speaking to this thing that was sitting out there and it felt like a call and response, like something was calling out and God was using me to respond. Hmm. And I felt the, I don't know, I felt the receptiveness. I felt, Hmm. I felt it like connect. And then we went back into, you know, the music and that became this thing for me of like, if I don't get to do that, then I don't know. I think I'm just playing songs. Hmm. (laughs) It's so good because even as you're talking, I'm thinking about that's worship, right? Not not necessarily just singing songs, but the call mm. and to have us respond. Yeah. And so you're demonstrating for, you know, that room of people this opportunity for them to see like, hey, this isn't just how we sing, this yeah. is how we live. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that we would have an intimate connection with a God who speaks, who yeah. calls. Yeah. And that in that we can respond in that obedience to that call and 
things happen. Yeah. We get to be a part of what he's doing. It's the the mouse walking across the bridge with the elephant and it gets to the end and he says, Boy, did we make that bridge shake? He looks up at the <laughs> elephant. You know, and it's like that's that's who we get to be. Yeah. You know, we good. get to be those mice walking across that bridge with yeah. him. So yeah, that's really good. I've never, I've never heard that. That's really good. Drew. I know. I like that's that. so I stole good. it from another pastor. Yeah, so it's well, pastors I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote things. you with it when I, uh, when I <laughs> yeah, quote yeah, yeah. it, I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A wise Tilton. man named Drew yeah. once Wayne Gretzky, told me. Drew Tilton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, the thing about what you were saying, Ryan is like, that's where it, it where, where the, the, I don't know. It's like where the magic is because I, I realized a long time ago, I don't want to be a part of a church where nothing would change if there wasn't really a God. Like, would we mm. still do all the same stuff if God didn't exist? Could we mm. Could we do all the same stuff if we just had the right smoke machine and lighting and mm. good music? And, you know, I, I realized this in youth ministry making, um, you know, we, we would do camps and you could plan a camp around Wednesday night was always like, crying night that everybody's going to cry right. everybody knew going in they're going to cry because the thing is if you tire kids out like keep them up really late play lots of games <laughs> them with get them connected with a bunch of kids <laughs> you can get them to cry by wednesday night without right. god yeah crowd and manipulation it's at its full-on manipulation and people know how to do it in church and all of it and you know maybe to good ends at times but certainly i'm sure their motives are good but I don't want to do that. And it's like, if there's not really a God and if God doesn't show up, that's why it's like, until we're in that place where if God doesn't show up, we're screwed. I don't think we're really doing it right. Mm. Like, and that's where when you left Orlando and then when you kept driving after you got that call and where you're like, Hey, let's just trust God. He's going to show up. The same thing with your giving, the same thing with your stepping out on a limb to say something that you feel like God is saying in a moment. Yeah. It's like being attentive to what God's doing and moving with him mm. is the most important skill in ministry. And they can't necessarily they can't necessarily teach you that in school. Like there's yeah. no class that teaches you how to do that. Yeah. And I take it even further. I think it's the most important thing in discipleship. As we mm. are disciples to him, it is that that ability to see and hear him, see what he's up to, hear what he's saying, mm. and then to in turn respond, respond to that. Yeah. You know, like that is discipleship. Yeah, that's good. And that is what God wants for each of us, right? Like yeah. not just those of us in ministry who are listening, but those of us, well, I mean, uh, to be honest, we're all minist- ministers, yeah, yeah. you know, like with a ministry, God calls us all to that if we're following him. But at an even more fundamental level, like that we that's that's what discipleship is and that's what we're called to as yeah, disciples of his so i love when you talk true well i love when you talk on this podcast <laughs> he can't ever take a compliment <laughs> I know. he's like no and you no and, and deflect mm-hmm. and you also uh, yeah. <laughs> more so i i already know how cool i am receive Ryan. it true receive it to... <laughs> i love hearing you talk i receive that thank okay. you yeah. yeah. So tell us about this album that you're working on now. You guys have, have been writing some songs and um, your team, even through this, this COVID season and all of this, it's been such a wacky season, but one of the good things to come out of it has been some space and some intentionality 
to do things that you sometimes don't have the time to do in other times of life. But yeah. it seems like God has been, I don't know, moving and writing. What's that process like and how does that work with yeah. your team and with you? Because, I mean, you've always done it by yourself, but you also did it with a band and then you've, yeah, I don't know. How does it? Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I wrote a lot of songs. I mean, I, I was... Like I said before, I don't I don't really stop writing songs no matter where, what season I'm in, whether they're going to be never on any you know album or or whatever they're they're still getting written. Um, I was writing lots of songs, but never could finish them, and um, I would you know finish one for every eight that I was writing, and um, I just felt this you know, this call out from God, this, <laughs> this reaching out and it was to collaborate and that the next thing I would do would be to basically pass on this thing that I can do, which is write songs that are, you know, somewhat good and, you know, people can connect to and could be good Ryan, for they're really good. So that's just, that's just <laughs> somewhat good. You're, you're doing the same that. thing he was doing before. Yeah, you're man, just like, Don't. it's contagious. Okay, I feel like I can write good songs. He can. <laughs> I feel like that's a gift I have. I want to make it that it's not something that just stops at Mountain View if I ever am not alive anymore. <laughs> so Let's I want to. I want to have a legacy of of that. You know, being in four and five and six and seven people. Um, that are part of our team. So, and, and so part of that, I think was what God was wanting me to do. I mean, I have clarity of that now, but I think God saying collaborate, that was the word he gave me. I think that was directly related to that desire I have. Um, because the second I started collaborating with people, there would be songs I wouldn't even like I'd show them the song and they'd be like, that's really great. And I'd be like, Oh, you know where we could go? <laughs> we could go here. And I would start, you know, writing the song and I would finish a song. And all I did was show it to somebody who was like, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that kind of sounds like this. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I think it sounds like that, but I was trying to go here. <gasps> but if I go there, you know, like, yes, so it, I do. Know. I I'm pretty musical. So I know everything <laughs> you're saying. So just the sounding board thing was like already happening. And then, I'd start to work with someone who was like, I kind of have this uh, song idea. And I'd be like, oh, this is great. You you should go here with it or there. And it, it, just that collaborating started making songs finish. And I mean, it was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe two years ago, we had six songs. And, and we've just been writing and talking about how to record. And then we wanted to invest in that for when we moved into this building that we're in now. And we were starting to plan how we're going to put, put this album together. And we have 25 songs. How sick. <laughs> and we're like, if that was a record, it'd oh my be gosh, <laughs> how does this, <laughs> how did we get here? You know, and, and half those songs weren't completed, but through collaborating through this, like excitement building, these songs that were half finished were finished. And then new songs were getting started and we're like, Oh crap, are we supposed to put that on this now, <laughs> you know, on this album or does that go on the next album? And it's just awesome. We're we're so at a point cool. right now where we have enough songs to do lots of records, obviously, but w we get to choose and pray about and go, what songs should be on this album, God? Like, mm. and a big part of our heart, as as our worship team has been planning this stuff, is we want to write songs for this church. The reason for making an album is just so that they can have them beyond Sunday. Mm. Um, 
if more happens with it because of that, great. But the goal is we want songs we've written for the people that attend this church and the people that are connected to this church, you know, in other places to have this, you know, this, I don't know, whatever our, our vision as a church is to connect hearts with heaven. And so, Mm. or not as a church, but as a worship ministry is to connect hearts with heaven and to get them back to that sweet, intimate place with Jesus. And if we can do that for the people that are here at our church, then maybe that has this ripple effect into the rest of our world. And so our goal is not to make an album so we can like, you know, make some new worship album and the next hill song or anything. Our goal is to give the people of this church songs that just resonate in their heart that they feel connected to. Mm. Um, and to just keep doing that. So it's great. Cause we have 25 songs that we can start making regular songs here, even if it's That's not 25 awesome. songs on an album. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When is the album come out? So the plan was to try and have it as Christmas gifts, but with the amount of songs that we have finished now, it's like, okay, how do we actually get that done? So right now, we want to just plan for close to the end of the year a worship night where we play a bunch of them and record it. Cool. And then we'll see what we have out of that. Yeah. Um, so but people who attend our church are going to be hearing them. Yeah. So we've been introducing them over the past been few weeks. Them. Already yeah. been hearing yeah. them. Singing yeah. them. Yeah, yeah we've been singing ones. them over the past few weeks. It's hard, man. You you have people who show up in a room and they they don't know that they're your songs. And then you have people who are like, you know, this is great, but I don't know any of these words. <laughs> so you have to either do the same song over and over again each week, yeah. or you have to give them some stuff they know. So yeah. to slowly introduce 25 songs is very slow. <laughs> yeah, you'll get there. And it's uh, that's the cool thing, right, is that the the songs end up being soundtracks of the church. And yeah. I, I love yeah, how you said cool. that, because I was just thinking, um, you know, I have worship songs that I still go back to that represent seasons of my life mm. that God was faithful in or did That's something good. in particular in. And so they end up being, what are those stacks of rocks called? Uh, uh like they, a, they call them something. like a cairn, a cairn, cairn, cairn. but cairn. actually like, or like an Ebenezer. Ebenezer like a, is what a, I was thinking a stone of stone of remembrance. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Like an Ebenezer, like that. That's what songs end up being for mm. us. Worship songs so often. Um, and I think back on songs, you know, like the one that always comes to mind was the song Cornerstone. Um, you know, and that song came out while I was living in England Mm. and it was just a huge hit, obviously. (laughs) But, um, when I think of that song, when I hear that song again, I, I think of what God did while I was in England and how powerful that time was. Mm. And so they end up being markers. And so, yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, may, may this album be that for our <laughs> church, that yeah. we would be reminded of God's faithfulness and goodness in the midst of all of what's going on right now. That might, it might be hard, yeah. you know, to yeah. do. So. Yeah, that's good. I receive it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming for on, that. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so really stoked. excited. What's the name of the album? Do we know what it's going to be called? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to put in just a name in the hat. Let me tell you. Okay, you tell me okay. what, if it's good or not. I'm going to read okay. your lips. Okay, Drew's, Drew's album. album. I not, knew it because just because you look to me so much for inspiration. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we it. met some Drew's people when we were in Israel. Oh, that's true. We did, and uh, the, there's the, a the small like cult of like. Uh, <laughs> 
they're they're kind of Muslims, they nice but they're also they're very nice people. They're very they, nice. They are just a very small and sect of my namesakes. Of a, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the Druze people, and um, wow. so we're gonna name it after them. What did you start when you were in England? Oh, it spread all the way to Israel. I don't know. Wow, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> me and Ryan joke a lot. We love each other, and we we all love you, Ryan. Yeah. And you're a blessing to our church, and you'll be a blessing to our podcast. So. Thanks. Well, I'm honored to be asked to be on. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't lie to you and tell you that I wasn't thinking to myself. I wish I could be a guest on that thing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I truly feel honored to be on. Yeah, well, you can invite yourself anytime Todd you Rod want. Godfrey. Yeah, honestly, you just come in. Yeah. <laughs> do you think we could do it? The the rye the rye the Riker. <laughs> I don't know. The Ryan Kirkland Show. That it only is, works yeah, that is. The Ryan like Kirkland Show is just good. I still, I think I'm the only person who still wears my Ryan Kirkland, you know, T-shirt from your oh, last yeah. album that you released uh, a few yeah. years back when we recorded an album. Can you believe that's almost five years ago? I know. That's crazy. Five years ago, I did a. We need album. new music, Ryan. I know. Good I know. grief. You just, you know. You're doing too many side jobs. You need to work on your album jobs. And more babies. And you got lots <laughs> just of babies. Keep having babies, man. Yeah, you're really good at making babies. You'll be able to form you a make, family you band. You can make as many albums as you make babies. I, I think know. Babies I cost money. Albums, well, albums cost money also. I don't think they had. Yeah. And albums are somewhat like babies. Not not in a real sense, but in a figurative sense. Yeah. Like yes. they are no longer. Uh, Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> All right, we're going to end there. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it, Rye. Um, if you guys have any questions for Ryan or for us, you can reach us at our anchor.fm page. It's anchor.fm slash Todd Todd with two Ds. Um, you could reach out, leave us a voice message, ask questions that you want us to cover, or ask Ryan some questions. And we'll get those questions to Ryan, and maybe we'll, if he has enough questions, we'll have him back on. And so, if you uh, want a real treat, go check out Between the Trees. and Not the bearded one. A, not the bearded one, but especially uh, if you go on, on YouTube and like look to, you know, Ryan Kirkland, <laughs> yeah. the trees, you'll get the, a nice treat for seeing what he looked like back yes, when he was an emo will. boy. You so will. you will laugh at my expense is what he's basically saying. <laughs> you will laugh at his at his expense to some degree, but the music is awesome. <laughs> and I love, awesome. I still listen to that Spain I, album yeah. all the time. And, and that great. era of music is really awesome. Like you remind me of, it's like, don't be offended by this. I I, sometimes comparisons can be offensive but amberlynn like that's what it just yeah. gives me those vibes we looked up to amberlynn and uh, got to towards the end we got to tour all of canada with amberlynn no way that's yeah. awesome yeah, i loved amberlynn if i would have known about <laughs> had i lived in canada and went to an amberlynn concert I there i would have known about between the trees you would have and I'm I'm thankful that I'm old enough that I didn't even know I still don't know who Amberlin <laughs> is, but I that. I really like that's the, a Brian. Time. So <laughs> they they rose and they fell. But yeah. uh, shout out to Amberlin if you're listening. <laughs> I loved you. <ya. laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>